in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. And this is Dallin. Mitch, so full of excitement. I'm so excited. It's going to be oh. such a great show. Yeah, you're wearing your, your Oakland A's jersey, I can tell. Great I can see. and catchers reported this week. It's a good week. It's a good it, week. It, Baseball's here. It's here. It, it is a very good week for sports. You know, despite the fact that the NFL season is over, we have had a ton of NFL news this week already. Yeah. And it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday, it, my dudes. And it's Wednesday, my dudes. And so we are, we are in the thick of it. Uh, NFL offseason already starting. NBA All-Star Weekend is this weekend. So yeah. we have that going on this week. And then, as you said, pitchers and catchers reporting this week. So I, as far as sports goes, we have quite a bit going on. So because of that, we have quite a bit to talk about. And that's what we're going to do today on this podcast. Talk about stuff, right? We like talking about things. It turns out that's the point of a podcast. Oh yeah. Hey, you know what? You know what else I learned actually just today? Like really right before we started recording. I know why I'm so loud. Why is that? I have Viking in my lineage. Oh. Like but not like not like fifty percent, but a significant amount. Like a decent do you have as much Viking as I have African? More so. More okay. so than that. Because I have 1.1% African in me. So, yeah. I'm, uh, I, I just want to tell everybody that my sister took, so I took a so DNA proud. test. My whole, my whole, all of my siblings and my wife and my brother in law, we all got these tests. And, uh, so I got mine and we're trying to figure out which one of my siblings is uh, out of us, which one's the most Mexican. I turned out to be less Mexican than my sister, which disappointed me. She was probably like, three to five percent more mexican than i was but i am more african so hey hey guess what's cooler than being mexican being be african be so, uh anywho so i mean that one percent i'm really holding hard to that uh probably more than i should be but hey you know we take what we can get when we're 91 percent european you know yeah. i mean i knew my loud voice came from somewhere like even when I'm whispering, I'm kind of like half yelling. Right. You know that from now, being in the same room as me. Now you have an explanation. Yeah, I just now. I my ancestors yelled everything. <laughs> Vikings <laughs> didn't talk. That was yeah, talk normally. Again. That's how Vikings talk. <laughs> whispering didn't exist in the time of the Vikings. They just no, didn't know what it was. They did not adopt the ideology of whispering they just refuse to believe <laughs> it actually existed 
I like how all of a sudden I'm a historian on Vikings. I was just thinking, I love how this podcast has turned into a history podcast. We're going to tell you the story of the Vikings. Well, you know, Leif Erikson landed in Newfoundland in 1066 AD. Newfoundland? Oh, Newfoundland. That's how they say it, huh? Newfoundland. What an American way to say that, bitch. Come on. What an American way to say that. Newfoundland. Well, that's the way it's spelled. How else do you want me to say it? Newfoundland? Like it's supposed to be? Like Canadians say it? No, this is America. I'm going to say it the way we say it in America. We need to start a history podcast. Listen, we know everything. I feel like that'd be the least reliable source. It would be absolutely 100% false and in in a ton of uh, exaggeration uh, and a lot of made-up stuff. It'd be pretty good. We'd make up a lot of shit. I'd have to. I don't know that much. but (laughs) (laughs) Anywho, guys, but this is not a history podcast, even though you you may have thought it was. This is actually a sports podcast, and we have... Some great news. We have a a guest today. What? A guest that is not just one of our friends. Huh? Uh, maybe somebody who actually knows what they're talking about. What? Uh, it is it is uh Bobby from Simple Man Radio, who is which is a podcast that you can all check out. They do sports talk just like Mitch and I. And mm-hmm. we connected through Instagram. Shout out to Tanner, our manager, for setting this up. And so in a little bit, you're gonna hear uh us talk to bobby about uh, a lot of the news that have come out this week and uh just some sports stuff in general which is going to be a lot of fun i'm very much looking forward to this oh i am too i'm actually excited to talk sports with someone who might not piss me off every podcast because you you got some ridiculous things you say i don't know bobby you're walking a thin line already bud you got you got some big shoes to fill that made me a little sad, Mitch. If I you don't make you mad. don't make me mad that much. Yeah, you, you made me a little sad. Your Lamar Jackson thing is a, is absurd. Aww. Lamar Jackson. Listen, I believe enough. Which, in by the way, we're going to talk a little bit about him. We today. are because because uh, they shipped their old starting quarterback out the window. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> we got a little bit to talk about with old little Bobby about that. Today. Yeah, so so tons of stuff coming coming down the pipe for you in this podcast. We appreciate you listening. If you don't already follow the socials, Instagram at the Sports Hour guys, we are almost at 500 followers. So thank you for the new followers. And if you aren't already, get on it. Come on, join the train. Get What are you even doing? Here's what I want you to do. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't hit that subscribe button, I want you to hit the little back button. And go find the subscribe button and take your thumb and press it. Press that subscribe button. That way you get our episodes every week when they drop. If you haven't if you haven't followed us on Instagram, I want you to exit out of the podcast app. Scroll over your little Instagram icon, click on it. Search the sports hour, guys. You'll find us. Hit follow. And guys, you'll get in, you'll get sports update. You know, really, as soon as we get the information. We are on top of it, to be honest. We, we yeah, try as hard as we can to get that, to, to post that news on there as soon as it happens. So yeah. it may be the first place you saw. I, uh, we, we have had each other post news that I didn't even know about till I saw it posted on our own Instagram. And then I was yes, like, sir. what? <laughs> so, I mean, we really try to stay on top of it. So be sure to do that. I also want to mention, if you have not left a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, I would invite you to do that because we have something special coming up that may be a little prize that you get if you leave us a rating or 
a review, good or bad. If you really think we suck, you can say it on there. That's okay. But, but if you leave us a review or a rating, screenshot it, send it to us through our socials, and you may receive a prize. Yeah. So there is, there is also that. We, are, we have things in the works for you. Guys, we have all sorts of stuff in the works. Get on there. Just, I mean, like Dallin said, even if you tell us we suck, it's the only way we can get better. Absolutely. And we, want, and we want to hear from you, and we want your reviews and your thoughts. So uh, that being said, let us bring Bobby in. We're going to bring him on. We're going to talk about these sports topics for you, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So, so stick around, and we'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, hold on to your seats because it's going to be a bumpy ride. Here on the Sports Hour, we have a man who was born in the wilderness of Saskatchewan, Canada, raised by wolves. He emigrated to the United States in search of the American dream. Ladies and gentlemen, the host of Simple Man Radio, Bobby Skinner. Bobby, welcome to the podcast. What's going on, fellas? Man, I, I wasn't born in Canada. I was born in the, the plains of New Jersey. Oh. So, oh but okay. besides that, man, we're, we're good to go. I'm glad to be on finally. And uh, let's let's have some fun. Yeah. I, I, I read the wrong Wikipedia. Piece. Yeah, I was going to say the yeah. Wikipedia must have been, <laughs> must yeah. have been wrong on that. But, yeah, Bobby, uh, Simple Man Radio, kind of tell, tell our listeners about your podcast and kind of what you do. Yeah, basically, uh, we started in March of last year. And it was kind of like, a, you know, me and my buddy, Zach, who's the co-host, we're like, you know, let's, let's see what we, can, what we can do. You know, I played college balls, like maybe get some of my teammates on who were, you know, playing the Euro League or whatnot. And then we ended up getting hooked up with the fullback at, at the time for the New York Giants, Shane Smith. And ended up getting him an interview on our third episode. And it just kind of kept on growing and growing to the point where, you know, like we had on Brandon Jacobs last week, uh, Dexter Jackson, who won the Super Bowl MVP. And it's just been growing and growing. We're part of. Wagon Enterprises and, uh, and NewYorkSportsNation.com doing a lot of good stuff, man. So, yeah, it's sports. You know, we do interviews, and uh, we try to keep it light uh, at times, too. Yeah, I've noticed you guys have a ton of, like, former players on, which I think is great. I mean, it's always fun to hear from the actual athletes <laughs> instead of just yeah. random people, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the former ones are good. Like, Dexter Jackson had on. He, you know, he gave us a lot of uh, good, uh, good fun. And Brandon Jacobs – the problem is like like we did like we got an interview coming out either next week or the week after with the current linebacker uh, for the Giants, Tay Davis, mm. and they're they're so trained to not give any answers, especially when they're not like the top guy. It's like man, this is boring, but I, I got to put it out there. So we have fun with it, and, and you're trying to gain friends and, and connections and and keep on moving up. That's awesome. That sounds great. So Bobby, I got to ask you. So we did the segment right few months back where I talked about the most punchable faces in sports. What's your top on the spot right now? Top three most punchable faces in sports could be anyone. Okay. Let me go. Let me go through, through each of the sports. And let me think. So I'm a Yankees fan. So I'm, I'm trying to think of some Red Sox, mm. but really there, there are a lot of nobody on that, on that team is really uh, like a punchable face, except for maybe Kimbrel, even though he's not on the team. Just <laughs> that stupid stance where he's got his arm in the air. I just want to rip it off. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. Uh, uh, football. Let's see. I'm, 
I'm a Giants fan, so you, oh, you can't say Brady. Brady's got to be on that list, right? Well, we beat the guy, man. So it's it's hard <laughs> to hate him when we always beat the guy. <laughs> That's a good I point. I play them in the opener, so I'm, I'm hoping for that. <laughs> oh gosh, man, that's you really put me on the spot. I'm sorry, um, I didn't mean to put you there, but no, 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 no. I'm I'm trying to think because I feel like I have a million in my head, and I'm just there is a lot that like when you start out. when you start thinking about punchable faces in sports, like you, you really can start thinking of a lot of people. <laughs> Let me go. Let me just think of a quarterback that I just can't stand. Mm. Mm. Actually, you know, I feel like there's, I feel like there's a lot. Of, oh, um, in basketball, he. Uh, gosh, you guys are. I'm screwing myself, man. Nobody no, this is radio right this, now. So this is great. No, let you're. Me with, <laughs> let me go with Kimbrel because just that stupid arm there that does nothing. I feel I you. Why he's, I don't, why, like why is that arm in there? It's just it doesn't do anything for him. I'm sure some baseball nerds are going to tell me exactly why. I'm going to let it. But he's an idiot, and and they tried to like do the whole like do play the New York New York song, like oh we took your song, you didn't take our song, just shut up. You played it, cool. Congratulations, <laughs> you played it after you won one of your four World Series in the past 150 years, and you call me call me a meathead Yankee fan, but I'll hold on to 27 as long as I can, and hopefully it's 28 soon. So I'll, let me go, Craig Kimbrell. I love nobody it. signed him, so obviously he he's nothing special either. That's true. A, I like a, a it. universally punchable face, perhaps. So, <laughs> all right, that was good. Thanks, thanks, thanks for uh, thanks for yeah. participating in that. So let let's start. Um, let let's start with the news that we got today, because uh, that is the most relevant. So Joe Flacco, former Super Bowl MVP quarterback for the Ravens, traded to Denver for what will amount to a mid round pick. We don't really know yet. We won't know till the new league year starts. But uh, your thoughts on this trade from both perspectives, both from Baltimore's perspective and Denver receiving Flacco? Yeah, I, I actually like it on, on both sides. Look, let me start with Baltimore. Um, since they have clear-cut decided that Lamar Jackson's their starter, to get a mid-round pick, whether it's a third, fourth, or fifth or whatever, for your backup quarterback is, I mean, it's as good as you'll get. You'll, you know, you'll never see backups getting traded for that. And that's just a guy like Jimmy G, who, who's a young guy let alone somebody who's in their 30s. And on the Broncos' side, um, I think the only negative is they keep on putting stopgap quarterbacks and instead of getting the guy. I guess you could say they tried with Paxton Lynch, but that was just a weird pick anyways. But on the Broncos' side, Joe Flacco is better than Case Keenum. And, you know, he won that Super Bowl, so he's shown he's capable, and I know he hasn't been the same since. But at the same time, he was never, the be- you know, a top-five quarterback. And I know we you know, every time a quarterback wins the Super Bowl, we, you know, have the elite debate. But he's never really an elite quarterback. So he's kind of been somewhat consistent. The Ravens have been in the playoffs since the Super Bowl. And they were kind of – they were good this year. And they, they lost that game to the Saints where Tucker missed the extra point. And it kind of went downhill and then he got hurt. Um, so I like it on the Broncos side because it's the best they're going to get, at least in this offseason, unless they were to uh, draft a QB in the first round. I mean, maybe they still will. I, I doubt it, but maybe. Um, but I'll say the Ravens – I don't understand like, – I get the, the allure of Lamar Jackson, and I, like, I, I hope he succeeds. I want him to do well. But I just don't see him being a quarterback long-term for the obvious reasons. You, know, you, can't, you just can't run around 15 times a game and be as inaccurate as he is. Well, I mean, it's something to think about maybe more on the Denver side here. And I've heard this a couple times is, you know, oh, they're moving on from Case Keenum. We've seen Keenum have success in the right system. And, you know, maybe there was an adjustment period coming over in Denver coming over to Denver last year. I mean, do you think there's 
this is more of a Flacco's taken over this quarterbacking role in Denver, or do you think there's going to be more of a, a maybe a quarterback competition going into training camp? Uh, I don't think they bring in Flacco if it's going to be a QB competition. Um, Keenum, yeah, he had the one good year with Minnesota, and, and there was even some times with the Rams and the Texans where you know he had some good games. But then they, yeah, like Keenum had a successful season with the Vikings. But I mean, look at look at the other end. Flacco had a Super Bowl season with the the Ravens, and he was amazing in those playoffs. And he, I'm not saying like they expect that Flacco, but I feel like I, I just feel like you're more confident with Flacco going into a game to where you know he can make the big plays, the right throws. Whereas Keenum, it's like okay, let's pay him the right system. Where Flacco, if if that uh, system works well for him, I, I could see them being a playoff team, even though the AFC West is is hard to go through. Um, but if you know if they get the ball, if they use Phil Lindsay and run the ball effectively and, and don't ask him to to do a whole lot, I mean, I, I feel I just feel like it's their best option, even though it's not a great option. Well, and that I think you brought up a good point too about Flacco can make the big plays, he can make the big throws. When we've seen Keenum not really show a willingness to push the ball down the field. I mean, there's a reason that they moved on from Demarius Thomas. I mean, obviously age is an issue there, but he's not willing to utilize that. He's not willing to push the ball down the field the same way probably Flacco is. And so that's a good point that you brought up there about the, the will, not just the ability to make the big play, but the willingness to try to make that big play. Yeah. And with, sorry, go go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Well, and with Keenum, like that one good season with the Vikings, I mean, look at the weapons he had. He had, you know, Thielen, who has shown that he's, you know, a, a great wide receiver. Diggs, who has been, you know, as, as good as a number two as you can get. Even, you know, he was probably slated to be the number one when, they, when those two came together. And then Rudolph, you know, he's nothing special, but he's a, a pretty reliable tight end. And, you know, Shermer, when he was there, you know, they, they ran the ball effectively. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I like Keenum. Like, I root for the guy. But – if you're asking me to pick one, I pick Flacco. Yeah, I think you're right that this is probably the best Denver can do. I mean, we know this QB draft class is not as as good as most years, especially compared to last year. So, you know, where they're sitting at in the draft, do you really want to take a guy in the first round? Unless it's Dwayne Haskins or maybe Kyler Murray, you probably don't. So, I think this is the right move to get a veteran like this who has succeeded in the playoffs and to use a second, third, fourth round pick to draft a quarterback like a Drew Locke or like a JT Daniels if they are available to develop behind him because they need to get some young quarterbacks in there. I, I, just, I just worry because it hasn't worked out with Elway and these quarterbacks. It really hasn't besides signing Manning has been really the only good thing that's worked. And I'm afraid that no matter what young quarterback they get in Denver, it's just not going to work. And it's not like necessarily the quarterback's fault, but whatever this development in this coaching, it's just not going to work. So I I think Flacco works for now, but they have to figure out something long-term because I don't know how effective Flacco can be, uh, you know, for much longer other than maybe the next couple seasons. Yeah, and I, I think they're kind of still desperate because, you know, they did win a Super Bowl just, you know, a few years ago. And their defense isn't as great as it was, but at the same time, when you got a guy like Vaughn Miller, you should be, you know, contending for the playoffs every year. And, I mean, the, in the past few years, it feels like they start out good, you know, like, uh, you know, 4-0, and 3-1, mm-hmm. and one, and then they just kind of – the quarterback play drops off. And, and we know how, you know, a defense is a lot of preparation and effort where, you know, when a team is, you know, 4-5, and 4-6, and six, it's a lot easier to – 
to quit on defense. But I just I feel like Elway is desperate because he has a guy like Vaughn Miller and then adding Bradley Chubb last year that he feels he feels like he can kind of remake that magic that they had in that Super Bowl year where Peyton was atrocious. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think they're still trying to to play off that, and you know, we'll see how it works out for them. You know, if Flacco can be enough and that defense can be enough to get them to the playoffs, like you said, the AFC West really tough. The AFC was pretty good this year, and I think we're gonna get some other teams that are even better, like the Browns and and maybe possibly the Jaguars making a a return to 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 winning football. So it could be tough next year, but. This is kind of a win now. I mean, it's definitely a win now move. You don't you don't trade for a quarterback at his age if you're not trying to win. So yeah, uh, it's definitely an interesting scenario to say the least. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they can win now. I don't know if they have the talent around them. Uh, they still have to get past the Chargers and the Chiefs as well. So just something to keep in mind. Yeah, going forward as well but. for sure. So let, let's talk about another quarterback. So Kyler Murray. Posts on social media this week saying he's choosing the NFL over MLB. I don't. You follow the MLB, right? You're a Yankees fan. What do you think of this move? Do you like Kyler Murray choosing the NFL? Would you have preferred to see him in Major League Baseball? And do you think he's going to work out as a NFL quarterback? Yeah, I'll, I'll tackle the, you know, what was right. I definitely think he made the right decision because he is no doubt going to be a first-round quarterback. And there comes a lot of guaranteed money with that. And we know how quarterbacks kind of, you know, jump up the board as the draft gets closer. So there, there's no doubt in my mind that he will go in the top ten. Um, and then baseball, you know, he got to, you know, you know, ride on the bus for a few years, uh, and and then also, you know, even even if he's a star in there, it's it's not guaranteed that he's going to make a, a whole. Or, or sorry, even if he's a star, he's not going to be, you know, that marketable because, you know, obviously, I th- I think you guys are A's fans, but I mean, you guys know your team just as well as anybody that. They're, they're not the, the biggest money team in the world. I mean, they're the least. Right. Um, and, and with baseball, the, the arbitration, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but arbitration, those years suck for a player. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with football, if, if he believes that he's going to be a good QB, I mean, then football is the exact right decision because, you know, how many quarterbacks do we see, like, come out of the game, you know, talking about how it wasn't worth it because of the injuries and whatnot. I mean, you could look at Alex Smith, but even Alex Smith, he's been in the league for over 10 years and has made a boat ton of money. So right. from, like the, from the financial uh, prospect, I think NFL is definitely the way to go. Yeah, financially, it, it makes a ton of sense for him, right? Because if he's he, – they were talking about what, you know, what he was asking from the A's, and it was in the ballpark of like $15 million. And you got to think if you're the A's, yeah, he, he was what, the sixth overall pick or whatever it was in the MLB uh-huh. draft – are you going to pay a guy $15 million or have him, you know, give him a $15 million contract if he's going to spend three or so years in the minors? Probably not. Right. The financially that doesn't make sense. Um, and so I don't even think that was even going to happen. I mean, I, I, I had hoped for it and I had said he, I thought he might get there. But if I mean financially for him, it's going to make a lot more sense. He's going to get more money go play, go playing in the NFL. There's he gets a lot of criticism for his size too, right? He's an undersized quarterback. We've seen in recent history that's a non-factor. Drew Brees is a top five quarterback of all time in my book, and he's undersized. Russell Wilson has been a top five quarterback in the last six years, and is an undersized quarterback, a very similar build to Kyler Murray. So we know that that's 
that works at that position. I just, I just, I, you know, like I said, as an A's fan, I was really hoping we <laughs> land. We were yeah. looking for that Heisman Trophy winner. We were looking, yeah. for it. we didn't get it, but um, yeah, like I, I agree with you. It does make a lot of sense financially for him to take football over baseball. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I didn't see any scenario in which he would choose baseball. I really didn't. Just, just with how much money there is in the NFL, and my thought is, is where you went, Bobby, is the marketing, like the MLB needs to figure out how to market their stars. They just don't do that very well. And the NFL is so good at it. If I mean, just look at Patrick Mahomes this year coming, you know, first year starter doing what he's done. He is the face of the, it feels like he's the face of the NFL already. And he's only played a season. Yeah, and, the guy oh, could just say he likes ketchup, and then he's got a, like he's the number one sponsor for Hunt's ketchup. Exactly, <laughs> and so the NFL and, and the NBA do that really well, and, and Major League Baseball has not. So if you're Kyler Murray and you want that money and you want that fame, that level of popularity, you have to go the NFL. I think he can be a successful quarterback in the NFL, but he has to have an offensive-minded coach that's going to build a playbook and an offense around him and his skill set. Because it's going to have to be an adjustment, though there are smaller quarterbacks. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's like under 200 pounds and five, what is he, 5'8"? I saw her that, didn't he? I, I think he's, I, I, we're going to see at the combine an actual height on him, but I think he's 5'10". He might be under 5'10". So we're talking about, I mean, we've seen this kind of trend come in the NFL, but this is definitely a benchmark of a small, quick guy, uh, that a light, a light guy. He's not heavy. Russell Wilson has some meat to him. Kyler Murray does not. So it's going to take an offensive mind that can build something around him. I think it can work, but he has to find the right system, and that's where I worry is that he gets drafted by a team that's not ready to do that, that's not able to do that, and because of that, he doesn't you know, end up being able to do anything in his career. Kind of like a Tim Tebow. I feel like Tim Tebow could have been successful had the right system been built around him, but he just never got that opportunity. Yeah, as far as, like, just as a quarterback, I went back and watched uh, the Alabama game and the Texas game and kind of just, you know, went and looked at, you know, each throw, you know, what is he doing? Is he, is he running around like a madman? Is he throwing five-yard dump-offs that go for 25, 30 yards? And I was pretty impressed with him just as a quarterback, especially against Alabama, where he started out slow, but he kind of figured himself out. And he didn't he didn't look, like, shook, even though they were down. And he kind of should have been that way because they were, uh, you know, they were getting dominated. And he was, you know, they, he couldn't even get a pass off in the first two drives. Um, but he really seemed to be calm and, and not feel like he had to scramble around like crazy to make plays. And, I mean, I, I like him just as, as a quarterback. Obviously – you know, the whole the size thing could be an issue. But at the same time, he did play at Oklahoma and against the Alabama defense where it's – those are NFL – you know, they're not they're not all NFL talent, but they're all NFL size pretty much. So just as – like as a thrower and, and a playmaker, I like him, and I think he'll definitely go top ten. Yeah. Mitch, what do you think? Do, like, do you think it's going to be successful? Do you think it's going to work? Well, yeah, we've seen it work before. Why, why not? I mean, Russell Wilson, I wouldn't say is a is a he's got a great arm, but I wouldn't call him a pocket passer. He's got great legs, but I wouldn't call him a scrambler. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he's a playmaker. We've seen it work, and so why why wouldn't it work with this guy who maybe is a little bit smaller than than a Russell Wilson or or a Drew Brees or 
uh, along those types. You know, it's why why wouldn't it work? Yeah. And if he's put in the right system, then I think if he goes to a place like Oakland, he's not set up for success there, right? Because John Gruden is very old school style. He's kind of he's kind of kind of West Coast style, and I don't think that's really Kyler Murray's game. I think he needs to be in kind of more of a spread type offense, right? Um, and you know, I I'd kind of like to see him in Jacksonville, honestly. Mm. Uh, there's there's some weapons there offensively still. They didn't have the right quarterback, and why not take a chance on a young guy here when Bortles is obviously not the answer? So, I you know I I like him early early first round, top ten like you said, Bobby, and um he but he's got to be in the right system for for him to succeed. Yeah. All right, Bobby, I have a question for you before we move on. So your Giants are sitting at six. So let's say it comes to the sixth pick, no quarterbacks have been taken, and you have your pick at Dwayne Haskins or Kyler Murray. Who would you want them picking? Man, if, if for my early pick, because we, we also, you know, quick shout out, we do a Giants Nation podcast. We just started about a Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, so we, we looked at, you know, I went and looked at uh, a game that each quarterback lost and each quarterback won between Locke, Haskins, and Murray. And Haskins, he looks the part, and he has the arm, and he seems like a smart guy. But in, in like, even the Michigan – like the Michigan game where, you know, Ohio State just dominated Michigan on offense, he really doesn't do a whole lot. It's a, I mean, you don't – it's unbelievable how many times he throws a shallow and guys take it for 10, 15 yards, 20 yards. So with Haskins playing that one year – and not knowing a whole lot, it's hard for me to really get behind him. I'm not saying he can't be a great quarterback, and he won't be. But with, from what I've seen, just you know, just from those two games, I haven't, I haven't went and watched everyone yet. But it's hard to get behind him. Kyler, it just – he seems like a gamer, man. I, I like the guy a lot, even though he's horrible at interviews with Dan Patrick. Um, and then, you know, to throw that third guy in there, Drew Locke, he looked really good, like especially the game against Georgia where they lost. He played really well. It seemed like the coaches, for some reason, just – they really didn't let him do what he could do. They, you know, kind of, ran, you know, would run first down, run second down, let him throw on third. But as far as like the best thrower and guy in the pocket, it's actually Drew Locke. But I, let me say right now, because I know if some Giants fans hear this, they'll crucify me if I don't say it. Let me just say Haskins for now. Um, and then maybe closer to the draft, I'll get ballsy <laughs> and say somebody else. Right. I mean, we still got the combine. We still got some time. I just, I mean, I imagine the combination of Kyler Murray, Saquon Barkley, and, and Odell Beckham Jr. And Ugh, that just sounds so nice that I just would love to see that happen. Could you imagine <laughs> the mobility that Kyler Murray has running some sort of read option offense? With Saquon. With Ooh. Saquon. Even if the guy doesn't last long-term, that first year would just be, would be electric. Fun. Like, even if he gets found out long-term, that first year would be, I mean. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll just say Super Bowl because I'm a cocky kind of guy. So. Right. <laughs> but playoffs, I, I, I mean, really, you know. I mean, the read option is a sustainable off offense if you run it correctly. So, it's yeah, – but like you said, yeah, if they overuse it, then, you know, long-term, not a, not a you know – not the solution. Not the solution, <laughs> but it'd be electric right off the bat. Yeah, Absolutely. Sure. That'd be fun. So, all right, let's uh, – the last little thing we wanted to talk about was uh, Kareem Hunt. So, Kareem Hunt signed with the Browns. Uh, there's still a lot to get into with that. Uh, I know Mitch and I were very 
totally cool and happy that the Chiefs released Hunt, that, you know, after this whole incident, he was going through this. And I, I know we were both a, a disappointed in the Browns signing him. So, Bob, what, what were your thoughts on this? How, how did you feel about this whole situation? Um, as far as, like, you know, but, you know not leaving football out of it for now, I'm, I'm full on for giving guys second, third, and fourth chances. I mean, it's just the kind of guy I am. I mean, you know, I'm, I've been, a, part, I've been uh, a recipient of that. So, I don't, like I said, I don't know the guy personally. Maybe he is a dirtbag and he really doesn't change and he's, you know, he's put on a, a front and maybe he's the same person or even worse. Um, but if he is somebody that's trying to get better and, and be a better person, I, I'm all for giving guys second, third, fourth chance. And he's going to face a suspension as well. And I know we, you know, I like, I'm not sitting here saying like, why do we hold athletes to a different level? Because I, I get it. They are, you know, role models for kids and whatnot. But at the same time, you know, there's CEOs of companies and everything like that where, you know, they do something like this. They're not, you know, blackballed from a career for the rest of their life. So I'm, I'm all for giving the guy a second or third chance, but obviously he's, I'm all for him having a short leash too and, and letting him know like one even little screw up. You, you know, you punch a dude at a club or, you know, even if, if I was a Browns, I would be like, if, if I see you in the club, we're going to have problems or, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I would, you know, tell him like to completely stay away from alcohol at a hundred percent. Um, so I, I, I'm all for second, third, fourth chances, but keep him on a short leash. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that, and just, that's just from, like, the, the person side, not the, the football-wise. Yeah, for I sure. I think what's most disappointing to me about this is, well, a couple of things. What, one, it, it seems like a very Browns thing to do. It's, you know, they kind of pick up everyone's sloppy leftovers. Um, and to me, this is, this is one of those cases. What really disappoints me is, and I've been very critical of Colin Kaepernick in his, in his kneeling protest. I've been very critical of that. But it seems a little, it seems a little funny that Colin Kaepernick still can't find a job for protesting, even though I disagree with it, d- disagree with the protest. He can't still find, he can't find a job yet. We're going to give a guy a job who obviously it's on video beat a girl in the hallway of a hotel. And I just, I just have a hard time with that. Like it, it, you know, looking at the two situations, I have a hard time taking that, this situation over the Colin Kaepernick situation. I have a hard what, time. doing that. What, what it comes down to is, is it's a, it's a, it's a production business. It comes down to wins and losses where cream hunt sure. qu- quickly makes the Browns better. Whereas, you know, Kaepernick, uh, he, he, you know, he, if he were to get a job, it'd be as a backup. And I think we can all understandably, you know, even if you're, you know, if you really, you know, get everybody honest, if you're even for like hundred percent for the protests, you can understand that that's a huge distraction that your team yeah. is everything that's going to be around him is that cause he's not the starter. But I mean, if Aaron Rodgers started this, started the whole protest thing, whether you're for or against it, there's no way the Packers are, you know, no teams picking him up or even yeah. letting him walk out of there. So it, sure. it is a production business at the end of the day. I mean, it's the difference, you know, the Dunkin' Donuts CEO is going to be able to get a lot uh, away with a lot more than uh, the manager of a branch is. Right. Yeah, you know, and I, I, I understand the Browns doing this. I mean, they basically get in early and have the rights to him. And, you know, however his suspension and all that process goes, they basically have the opportunity to get him if or when that all, you know, subsides. And so I get that perspective. 
I just feel like it's a little early. I mean, he was released, what, like two months, three months ago? It was like November. I mean, we're not talking about that long that this guy was without a job. And that disappoints me more than anything, that yes, he's going to have his suspension. Yes, he's going to face, you know, backlash and, and obviously consequences because of this. But in the end, he was jobless for about three months. And, and that just seems like we, like we all got out, like, like the NFL at least, or these, this team got over that a little too quickly for my liking. I get that he was eventually going to have a job. And I'm cool with guys. I mean, there are a ton of guys that have gone through similar situations like this. We have Tyree Kill and, and Mixon and, and a num- number of guys have, have gone through similar situations but have gotten second chances. And I'm, and I'm cool with that. I understand he's going to be on a team again, and that is fine by me as long as he you know, doesn't do this kind of stuff again. But I just feel like it was a little quick, and that was a little disappointing to me how, how quickly that all ended, basically. Yeah, I mean, what, what do you think they should have waited for? Like, like, like maybe like before season or, or, like, or wait to like see something? Yeah, I think, I think a lot of it was, you know – like just waiting, waiting for this whole disciplinary thing to be done with. Like, you know, how long is he going to be out? Is he going to be suspended a year? Is he going to be suspended four games? You know, what, what are we looking at? I just wish teams would have, I don't know, waited a little longer. It just feels weird. Like it was like, we don't really care about any of this. He's a good player. Let's bring him on. And I get the money side of it, but morally it, it bugs me a little bit. Well, and I mean, going back to it's a production type business, the Browns are on the up and up. And so why, if you have a, if you have an opportunity to sign a guy that really no one else wants that has a ton of talent as a football player, yeah, sign him. Yeah. I mean, the moral aspect of it comes into play awfully quick for me. So yeah, kind of on the same boat there, but it is, you know, I don't know. It's an interesting situation and football wise. I mean, having Kareem Hunt as a pro pro bowl running back at his age is when he does play football will be great. You know, and then you got to so. balance him and Nick Chubb, and how how are you going to do that? I mean, I sound. I mean, I'd be willing to do that any day of the week. To be honest. yeah, that's <laughs> the wild part. Is yeah, sorry, that that's the wild part is that they already have Nick Chubb, and they just uh, wrapped up Duke Johnson. I think on a three year deal. Who you know, he's not a, a three down back, but he he can make a lot of plays on on third down and out of the passing game. So it will be interesting to see how they try and balance all all three of those guys. Yeah, Absolutely. for sure. So hey, before yeah. we move on to basketball, because there's one more piece of news. A B. Antonio Brown requesting a trade. Bobby, where do you see him going? Man, it's it's rough because I just he's thirty one. I don't feel like anybody's going to spend a whole or he's going to give a whole lot for him. And I don't think the Steelers are just going to give him away either because I, I think there's some like kind of cap situation where they still lose a good chunk of money even if they trade him. There's okay, a lot of talking, dead money attached to his contract that the, that right. the Steelers are going to eat if they no matter what. Right. Unless and, and they so, keep him, obviously. But yeah, the only place I can see being willing to pull that trigger for, like, you know, say, give the Steelers a first round pick or a second round pick, we were talking early. The the only one that I can see doing it, actually, there's two. Either the Jets, because they got a boat ton of money and, and they want to see Darnold do well now, or uh, John Gruden and those Raiders, man. Uh, we've seen that he'll, he could surprise us with, with some deals and moves. And uh, so, yeah, the Jets and the Raiders are the two. That I see possible. I could, I could very well see the guy stay, even though he's acting like a total moron. You know, I, I got two in mind, and it's, and it's based on the cap space that they have available. John, the, the Raiders, I, I didn't think about. I think John Gruden likes draft picks a little bit too much to give up any. <laughs> he's just got, he's, he's got a hard on for draft picks, and so I, I have a hard time thinking that 
he's going to give up any draft picks for Antonio Brown. I Number one is San Francisco. Tons of cap space. He's been linked to them already. I think pairing him up with Garoppolo and putting him opposite of Marquise Goodwin would be a great thing. And I, and I, honestly, I think that's going to make Marquise Goodwin that much better because now the focus is off him. And Pierre Garcon is probably going to be the three receiver in that. And I, I really think lining them outside in an X as an X receiver or a Z receiver is going to be a great, a great move for San Francisco. The other one I thought of, and I think it's kind of an unpopular opinion, is Indianapolis. Why not send them to Indy? I mean, they don't have – I mean, other than T.Y., there's, there's a big drop-off there at receiver. And if you – I mean, think about T.Y. and Antonio Brown on the same side or on the same field in the same offense for Andrew Luck to throw to, that's a ton of yardage added onto your offense right there just by adding Antonio Brown. I, I would like to see Lev Bell go to Indianapolis over Antonio Brown. But those are really the two places I see him fitting in actually really well there. Yeah, f- f- I, I agree with the 49ers. That, that, you know, that definitely makes a lot of sense. But the Colts, you know, my co-host, Zach, he's, he's a Colts fan, so we're kind of in tune with him and mm-hmm. uh-huh. uh, with, with some of the reporters and whatnot. And, I, like, football-wise, it makes a lot of sense. But what Frank Ballard, the GM, is doing down there, and then uh, or Chris Ballard and then the, the, the coach, Frank Reich, I just don't see them bringing in a guy like him, especially at 31 years old. Cause they have, I mean, their, their locker room chemistry is amazing. Even when they you know, were one and four. That's and true. I mean, obviously we saw them come back. Um, Le'Veon Bell is even a maybe because, you know, yeah. He, I mean, he maybe did some things that made him look like a jerk, but Antonio Brown is just Antonio Brown's making Le'Veon Bell seem like a saint. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Even T.O. I don't think like just, like I know T.O. like said I wanted to be gone and traded, but he didn't. He didn't just say like, "Hey, uh, it's nice knowing you." Like I'm not playing for you next year, uh, so wherever you trade me, trade me. Yeah, well, and then Antonio Brown has all these legal issues attached to him as well. So there is a lot besides being a 31 year old wide receiver, besides having a lot of money attached to you, and and these legal issues that you have, and this prima donna wide receiver, you know, mindset that we see. I I think. A combination of you two, I think the Jets and the Niners are the most likely just because you'd be pairing a top five wide receiver with a young quarterback who needs weapons on both of those situations, whether you're looking at the Jets or the Niners. So I think either of those teams with the amount of cap space they have would be willing to pull a trigger on a move like this because it gives their young quarterback a legitimate weapon, a very, very good weapon. And you, you're probably going to get a few years out of a few years of production out of him right now. So to pair him with this young quarterback as the teams try to improve, I think would be smart for both of them. So likelihood, I think to me are Niners and the Jets. Uh, But I I don't know. It's a weird situation. And like you said, if you're the Steelers, like it's not really ideal for you to get rid of him. It's not, there's a lot of dead money you're going to have on your cap if you do. And so it'll, but he's kind of forced their hand and he kind of has acted reckless enough to, warrant being kicked off the team so i it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out over the next few months i guess yeah i, I can see the uh, like like you guys both said 49ers makes a lot of sense but if nobody like if somebody offers him a first or a second then a first or second they're gonna take it but say they all they get is a fourth or a fifth because of you know the character issues uh i don't know much about the off the field uh issues i saw there was a police report i don't know much about it and the fact that he's 31 with a, a big contract and might want a new one um, I could see the Steelers being like just just bringing him back and not playing him and in a sense suspending him because um, you know if if they do bring him back he, he might pull 
I don't know if you guys remember Brandon Marshall when he wanted a contract with the Broncos. He went to training camp and and literally dropped every single pass that came his way, and then was drop kicking balls into the into the stands. So he, <laughs> might, he might pull something like that, or worse. <laughs> By the way, just for for numbers here to give an idea of what that dead cap and that cap hit would be, the dead cap is twenty one million dollars. The cap hit is twenty two million dollars. So I mean, if they trade him going into this next season, so. Yeah, just spot on with with uh, you know how costly that would be actually for not just production wise but money wise for the Steelers to deal them anywhere. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk before we let you go. We just want to ask you real quick. So we we had NBA trade deadline, and I don't know. Are you super? Are you into the NBA a lot? What's your What's your NBA fandom? Yeah, NBA is definitely my number two sport. At the, that being said, this is when I start like really getting into it. Um, obviously, you know, football is king for me. You know, I, I pay attention, you know, before, while the football season is going on. Um, but this is where I start getting into it, you know, reading stories every day, watching games at night. Um, and my Nets are, are in the playoffs right now. And we just got Karis LeVert back. And D'Angelo Russell's been playing like an – well, he is an all-star. So, I, I'm, I'm in tune with it. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping my – I'm the, I'm the kind of guy where I always believe in my teams. And the Nets have always been that one team I don't believe in. <laughs> and out of all my teams this year, besides the Yankees, they're the one like, you know what? The East is wide open, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really high on the Nets, honestly. Like, I, I really like this young team. I think they're, I think they're solid. I, I love – I was thinking about this trade today because I don't know if you saw this. So, D'Angelo Russell came out and said today that being traded from the Lakers is like the best thing that ever happened to him. And yeah, I, as a Lakers fan, 100% agree. And I think this is one of those rare cases where – a trade like really worked out for both teams. I mean, out of this trade, the Lakers get the Kyle Kuzma pick. And so essentially you're trading D'Angelo Russell to be able to draft Lonzo Ball and then Kyle Kuzma. And then if you're uh, the Nets, you've got a young great quarter or point guard who's turned into an all-star. I think that's a trade that worked out really well for both sides. And I'm really happy for D'Angelo Russell and how well he's played, especially this year with Brooklyn. Yeah, it's crazy to jump even from, you know, from our, our as a Nets fan, our view from the beginning of the season. Because last year, he played really well in Spurs, but he also hurt a lot. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times when a team's not good, being you know, they're, it's more of like, hey, we're not going to risk you um, than anything. So, you know, he's played, you know, almost every game this year. But, yeah, man, like, going into this year, I was like, I don't know if I want to bring this guy back on, on a huge contract, which is, you know, he's going to garner. Um, especially when we got, like, somebody like Dinwiddie, who's been good for us. But now, I mean, I'm right. all in on the guy. And, you know, obviously the whole, like, thing with Nick Young happened, and he seemed really immature in L.A. Like, I couldn't stand the guy, um, even though, like, you know, putting that Nick thing, Young thing out there was stupid. But on the other end, it's like, hey, how about you don't cheat Nick Young? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, that, like, blew my mind. It was like, how are we just not talking about Nick Young being, like, cheating on his girl? <laughs> like, right. I, I, get, I get that D'Angelo Russell, like, like, that was dumb. But we just didn't even mention that. Like, even with the, uh, what was the Donald Sterling. Like when the when that whole thing happened, like nobody mentioned. Like this guy just openly cheats on his wife. Like like right. nobody talks about that. <laughs> but anyways, I'm I'm all in on DeAndre Russell. You know, realistically, you know, we're not going to go to the finals this year, but uh, I'm excited to see what we're going to do going forward and, and maybe even win a playoff series. Yeah. So as far as the trade deadline goes, I just want to get your thoughts on what you thought was the most impactful trade. Out of all, because there, there was quite a few moves, a lot of them really low level. We had a few bigger name trades, uh, especially in the East. But what do you think was the most impactful of those? Yeah, the, the East definitely got stronger. Obviously, the Miritich trade 
Um, Marcus all with the Raptors, you know, that's one of the things we have to wait and see. But I feel like the easy, or at least for me, the easy answer is the 76ers because Tobias Harris is real deal. I mean, I think, I think he's been averaging 20 a game. He's been great from three. And I know, like, it's hard to integrate a guy in halfway through or over halfway through the season. But, I mean, just – I mean, I mean, you're a Lakers fan. You watched that game on Sunday. He looked great. And then even, yeah. uh, you know, Boban being put in there where, you know, he's, you know, he's not going to be the starting center. And obviously, even with, with – even if Joel would be the starting center. But you could put him in for, like, a two, three-minute spurt and just let him be a complete mismatch. I mean, we saw even the Warriors do that with McGee. Who, I, McGee is a, little more, is, is a lot more athletic. But just kind of having that mismatch, especially with teams playing small ball. And they brought in some uh, Jonathan Simmons, who's, uh, you know, he's a good bench piece from Orlando. And I mean, and they were able to, you know, get rid of faults and, and get that um, out of their head. So for me, the East got stronger. And I'd say, I mean, I'd say the 76ers have to be the big winners. Yeah. Mitch, Mitch, what do you thought? What, what was, what was your, like, the one trade that stuck out to you? I mean, Miritich to the Bucks definitely stuck out for me. I mean, <clears throat> this is an already really great Bucks team. Um, and then you had a guy like Nikola Miritich who just makes that team that much better. It's almost it's almost unfair, really, when you think about it. Like, and it, you know that was just really the most impactful one for me. But I I think kind of a sleeper one that we're not talking about here is the trade that never happened, is Anthony Davis to the Lakers. I mean, really, how impactful would AD have been in LA if they're going to deal all those young pieces away? And now he's stuck in New Orleans again and not really playing well as of the last few days. I think he what, scored like three points the other night or whatever it was and has ripped into his team. So obviously he's disgruntled. There's not a whole lot of chemistry right now within that, within that team. And I think really the most impactful one might have been the trade that never happened, which was AD to LA. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, it's really rattled the Lakers like it really affected yeah. us way more than I was hoping for. And I, I mean, I expected the trade to happen. And then the fact that it didn't, I think has been a, a really, really negative way more than I thought it would be. Yeah. Uh, in, in, in that, that Boston game where, where, you know, Rondo hit the game winner. It's like, wow, you know, they're, they're galvanizing and, and they're putting this behind them. But LeVar Ball is back and he's back with a vengeance. I mean, calling for, for Luke Walton's job on, on Coward show acting like, you know, saying, you know, like, who would have thought you know, Levar? Yeah, who know who who would have thought Levar Ball goes on uh, uh, Skip Bayless's show and says that he's Lonzo's better than LeBron and bringing up free throw percentage, even though Lonzo is a worse free throw shooter than LeBron, and that wasn't like the the craziest thing he said, where he was just flat out saying like, <laughs> Walt needs to be fired and bring Brian Shaw in. Um, no, the craziest thing he said was when he thought he could beat MJ one on one. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm talking about I'm talking just last week with with right. Levar Ball. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to yeah, break yeah. it down into, into segments. <laughs> yeah, you know it is it is fascinating. The Anthony Davis thing was such a mess, and I and I said on our podcast that if the Lakers did not pull off this trade, then Magic Johnson and Palink have lost all their credibility and should be done. They they they, they I, they've lost respect in my eyes. I get, though, that the Pelicans basically never intended to make the trade happen. So I'm going to give the Lakers until the summer to pull this trade off. Basically, if they don't pull the trade off at some point, then I, 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 have, I have very negative feelings toward this front office. Um, just because you can't mess this kind of stuff up, and this is what they were brought in to do. So it'll be interesting to see once Boston can make an offer, if the Knicks package a possible number one pick 
you know, as part of an AD trade? I mean, do they, do they choose an Anthony Davis over the possibility of Zion Williamson? I, you know, what other teams throw out packages like the Clippers possibility? So I, it'll, it'll be interesting to see this summer what kind of offers Pelicans get. But I, that one offer where it was just like five young – it was Kuzma, Ball, Ingram, Hart, Zubox, two first-rounders, and it's like, it doesn't get, does it get better than that? I, I, I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, and that's where I think the Pelicans come out of this looking like total idiots. One, yeah, you you know, Boston could pit up a better package, but they're not going to because, you know, one, he said he's not going to re-sign with Boston. He doesn't want to play there. And then especially after this whole Kyrie thing that went this year, they don't want to deal with that again. So obviously Boston is playing games saying, like, we'll be there in the summer. And I feel like the Pelicans should be smart enough to see that. And you're not going to get a better offer out of the Lakers in, in the summer. That offer is going to be half of what it is now. And like you said, the only other possibility – could be if the Knicks are willing to send the number one. If if they if they win the lottery, get the number one overall pick. Right. And they, they send. I mean, that's the only that's the only chance you have uh, if you're the Pelicans. And but yeah, like like you said, they're they're just the Pelicans are not going to get that deal in the summer because there's going to be a lot more urgency on their end. And then they look like jerks because they leaked every single thing to the media the second it happened. I mean, I don't think we've ever seen like stuff gets leaked, but literally the second stuff was happening. The media was finding out about it because I, the Pelicans were playing a game. And, you know, Dell Demps, you know, you could say, oh, well, he's probably going to get fired anyways. Well, he's, he's losing a lot of credibility going forward because he, he just played – he just took, you know, the NBA, which is a, a, a probably a billion – maybe billion-dollar uh, industry and just, you know, made it into a joke. Yeah, I agree. And if you're the Lakers, like, there's no way – I may be offering you, like, Kuzma and Hart. And like, like I'm not offering you nearly close to what I offered you this year because that trust is gone and that respect is gone. I mean, I, Magic came out and basically said, "Yeah, they played us." I and and they then the negotiation tactics were were sad and and stupid, and I just think they screwed themselves in the end because, like you said, Boston could offer something equal to or maybe better than that, but would they? There, there's no guarantee of that, and I don't think they will either. And so the Pelicans are going to end up trading Anthony Davis for a lot less than they could have had they done it at the trade deadline. Yeah, no doubt. So, but anywho, well, I, uh, I think that's, that's about it. Bobby, appreciate you coming on. I want you to, to give you a second to plug everything that you do. We'll put all the links in the, uh, in, in the information about this episode, but go ahead on here. Tell the people where they can find you and, what, and where they can listen to you. Yeah, man. One, first of all, I appreciate you guys having me on. I love, you know, I love uh, coming on people's shows, especially you guys. You guys bring my energy up, man. You guys are higher energy. Sometimes me and Zach can just be <laughs> super dry. Uh, so, yeah, but, yeah, it's, it's Simple Man Radio, uh, all the socials, uh, Instagram and Twitter. You know, we do Facebook, but that's pretty much just our Instagram 2.0. Uh, it's at Simple Man Radio, and then our personals. Uh, mine's at Bobby Skinner. NFL, I add that NFL there to make myself seem legit, even though I'm not. <laughs> and then add Zach Holton, all that stuff from the Bible Asking Radio. And like I said, it's a sports podcast. Uh, we do twice a week. A Monday episode is our kind of our bread and butter, where we have interviews with NFL players, you know, former NBA players and, and media guys and whatnot. And uh, the midweek show is, well, at first it was an NFL preview. Now the NFL's over. We're going to start doing more stuff like this. So, yeah, it's at Simple Man Radio, and that'll lead you there. You know, we're putting out some fun stuff. I, I don't know if you guys heard the song I made. It was the lyrics were great. Me singing it was horrible. I checked I it out. It, it yeah, was. I heard it. It, it was. It was above average. It was above <laughs> average. 
<laughs> I, 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 now that we talk, I think I might have pissed you off because I thought the funniest line was a uh, big hits cream hunt punted a chick. I still can't believe it's yeah. done. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we, we we appreciate comedy, you know, so I, 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 I didn't take it personally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but yeah, it's at Simple Man Radio and that leads you to everything else, man. So I appreciate you guys letting me come on. Hey, hey, Bobby, we want to take a second. Your co-host, Zach, he's deployed right now, correct? Yeah, he is. He, he should be back in March, though. Hopefully. Where's Where's he deployed at? Um, he's he's not. I know, but he's like he's like don't say it, you know, because you're not supposed to say. What oh he yeah. Is. Um, he's not going to listen to this. So let me just say, um, instead of I didn't I didn't ran there, but I might have racked there if if you get that. Gotcha. Um, so so yeah, he's he's somewhere <laughs> over there, and uh, you know, he's uh, it's it's pretty honorable, you know, when uh. I mean, he's been a good friend for, you know, four or five years. And, you know, they're safe over there, but there's always that chance. But, uh, yeah, sure. I, uh, I, it's, it's, it's noble for him to, to do that, you know. Well, Zach, even if, you, if you're listening to this, not listening to this, we want to say thank you for your service, brother, and get home safe. Absolutely. And real quick, before we let you go, uh, Mitch promised a conspiracy theory conversation. Oh, real quick. Right. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. Hey, <laughs> Bigfoot, real, not real. Dude, I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> Did you see Jose Canseco's tweet talking about I, like? No, what do you I don't say? think I have. Uh, let's see. Hopefully, this doesn't close out when I pull it up. All right, he tweeted out. All right, here it is. <laughs> Go on a Bigfoot and alien excursion with Jose Canseco. Contact Morgan Management at seven zero two three seven four thirty seven thirty five. Um. I can promise you on Monday's episode, there's going to be some recordings of, you know, maybe a, a, a tall guy named Bobby uh, calling that number and, and trying to get answers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I couldn't believe that. Like, I got to call That is guy. amazing. That and is awesome. It and uh, maybe ask about, you know, injecting steroids into Bigfoot. You know, you'll, you'll have to listen <laughs> to find out. But Bigfoot, uh, uh, I said I'd talk conspiracy. I, well, 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 do you believe in Bigfoot? I mean, I don't. I mean, I, I like I like to disprove people. I I I feel like I feel like it's real. I feel like Bigfoot is real. What he is, I am not sure, but uh, I I believe he is real. I'm a religious man, and there's there's something about John the Beloved, like being stuck on Earth and wandering until Jesus returns. And I feel like it's just him, like wandering through the woods, and he's super hairy because it's been a few thousand years. That's my guess. I was I was hoping you would answer yes, so that way I didn't sound crazy, um, and that way. So now I'm going to make you sound crazy. Nah, nah. There's no Bigfoot. No Yeti though. There's a Yeti. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I think I know what you're talking about. Were you talking about the two prophets that overturned? Um, exactly. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't think it's Bigfoot. Um, because you know I'm a, I'm a religious man too. Yeah, that's de- that's definitely not Bigfoot. Um, there were there's some, but I did read the books when I was a kid. I was hoping you'd bring up some 9-11 stuff because, you know, or actually, maybe I shouldn't say that sentence. I hope you bring up 9-11. <laughs> um, I'm just going to clip that and post that on the Instagram. Like, wait a weird guest this week, you know. <laughs> I had a roommate, man, and he was, like, addicted to that stuff. To the point where I'd have to tell my friends to call me so I could get him to stop talking to me about it. And, um, I mean, all kinds of – I remember, I, you know, I, you, know you, you get those kind of roommates. So I kind of would go in my room and do my own thing. I, was, I wanted to watch a movie, though. Uh, the Mr. Rogers documentary. I was like, you know what? Let me see if Michael wants to watch this movie with me. And this man did not stop asking me questions about the Illuminati. What I think about the Illuminati. Uh, <laughs> where do you, how do you think the first person got AIDS? I mean, stuff I don't know the answer to. But I'll tell you what, that, those 9-11 movies, like, I watched some. And 
Like, if you watch ten of those in a row, you're like, yep, it, it's a. Uh, it, it it was definitely done by George W. Bush, but then you yep. know, then you got then you got to go watch the other videos and kind of figure it out for your own. But, you yeah, first, foot, Bobby you know, thinks Bush did nine eleven. <laughs> what was funny is I, I like when that thing, when that was a joke that was like you call me simple minded. I guess some men radio, uh, but I thought that was the funniest thing in the world. And but some of my brother's friends are like, "Does Bobby really think Bush did nine 11 I'm like, "No, no, I do not." I like, please don't let me. <laughs> that is one of my favorite jokes. I mean, just to kind of throw that in in a sentence, always solid. So maybe we'll have to have you back and we'll do a conspiracy theory podcast because I. I <laughs> That kind of stuff's so fun to me. Uh, uh, it sounds good to me. So, but, yeah, again, Bobby. I was going to say my conspiracy theory stuff is just conversations with people that actually uh, believe in some of the crazier ones. But, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely down for anything. <laughs> awesome. Well, we appreciate you coming on, man. Have a good one. All right, All right, see Thanks, you Thank you guys for listening to the Sports Hour today. Be sure, if you haven't already, to follow our socials. You can find us on Twitter at SportsHourGuys, Instagram at the Sports Hour Guys, and you can like our Facebook page. Be sure to follow those socials. Interact with us. We want to hear from you. Now back to the show. Welcome back. Guys, you just uh, you just heard our interview with Bobby Skitter of Simple Man Radio. Once again, thank you, Bobby, for coming on. And uh, to his co-host, Zach, thank you for your service, brother. We, uh, we hope to hear from you soon. Maybe next time we uh, collab with you guys, you'll be getting on the episode with us. Um, what, Dallin, you know what we haven't done in a while is we don't know who the guy on your calendar is this month. Oh, oh. You're absolutely right, guys. It's February. We we had we got January. I know we talked about January a little bit. We right? did talk about January. So we are in February and we have a name I don't know how to pronounce. It's G E G O. I'm assume it's Gigo Gego. He looks like a foreign man. Gego? I he looks foreign to me. Okay. So that's the dude and a little puppy named Billy. Oh. Uh, so and the puppy's pretty cute. The man is a, a foreign-looking man with with, uh, with 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 some good looks. He's he's he's, he's decent. What, what's the what's the chest hair looking like? What's the chest hair? Uh, like? Very minimal. Very okay. minimal. But, but chiseled. You know, he's a chiseled man. He's got a little sure. beard, like a fire like shadow. Yes, he looks just like you, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not. I I am. I'm in shape. Uh, round is a shape. <laughs> hey, it's, absolutely. We are all in shape, in some sort of shape. That's right. Um, but yeah, he's, he's not bad. Not my favorite. I, I peaked at next month's. Next month's is real good. Real good. We'll, so say, we'll, we'll save forward. that for March. Save that yeah, for we'll March. Look, we'll look forward to March, but it's not bad. It's, it's not, not bad. Malik, though. No Malik, though. I still haven't hit him up, guys. I will DM hit him up. Him. I, I, I have got to creepily DM him. Um, maybe when we hit 500 followers, you get us to 500 followers on the Instagram and I'll DM Malik and ask him to be on the show. How about that? Guys, we're not that far away too. No, get, we're like, get on, their, get on those a, socials, man. A dozen or something. You just so. heard Dallin's sultry voice plug those social, socials. Get yeah, on there. You didn't. You, did. you guys yeah. have been doing a great job, by the way. Do you mind if I pull up the socials and shout out a Absolutely. few people? Really Absolutely. Absolutely. Go ahead. Go ahead. Why don't, you, why don't you hold over for us here while I pull this up? Because we we've had some great conversation on the last few posts. We have. You know, listen, we don't want you to just follow. Like, we do the Instagram so that we can talk to you. 
so that we can interact with the audience, with people who love sports, which is why we do this. So we want you to give us a follow, but we want you to comment on these posts. We want to, to know your opinion on these things. Uh, we ask questions like that for a reason, because we want to hear from you. So, you know, don't be afraid to do that. That's what we want. Okay. Well, let's, let's first, let's start with uh, Stu Clifton. We've seen Stu Clifton a lot on there. Um, Matt Lopez Chronics. Is that how you say that? Chronics? Spelled, so. really, spelled really cool, by the way, with a K and a Z. <laughs> um, let's look at this other post here. We have a few other people. Um, let's shout out your old man, Dennis Graff, for getting at us. Mm. Uh, the boy Lennox getting at us on this new post that we had today uh, concerning Joe Flacco. Yep, yep. Uh, we had SMD Sports Podcast. Hey, another sports podcast getting at us here. We love that type of stuff, guys. And that's just you know that's just a small group of people that have gotten us on the socials. And we want to encourage all of you other guys to get at us. You know, ha- be a part of the conversation. We're starting to have conversations on the on the socials. Be a part of it. Let us know what you think. Debate with us, man. We we love this type of stuff. It, it, don't think it's any sort of confrontation or anything. It, we love this type of stuff. It's fun conversation to have. So make sure you get on the socials at the Sports Hour guys on Instagram, and and have the be in the conversation with us. Yep, you're absolutely right. So uh, to end this show, guys, we talked about quite a bit with Bobby, but one thing Mitch and I wanted to talk about was uh, the MLB has reached out to the Player Association and basically allowed them. To, to offer up some some rule changes. Uh, and these have been kind of passed back and forth between MLB and the Players Association. Some, some of them are, are pretty normal, minor. Some are significant. Some are kind of out there. Uh, and they're all not necessarily going to even be passed, let alone this year. They may be a few years in the future. But we want to talk about these because the idea of some of these rule changes is really, really fun for me. And there's a lot of interesting things brought up here. So uh, I am looking at a ringer article uh, and this article, uh, they, let me see who wrote it. Who is the author of this? Michael Bauman covers, covers the MLB for uh, okay. ringer. So he ranked the rule changes and what he, basically from what I he wanted to see the most one. to the least. Uh, so we'll kind of go in, in the order that he put them in, not necessarily the same order for us, but I just want to talk about these, Mitch. So uh, let's start with the first one. Yeah, uh, the first one's going to um, currently right now at the MLB, there, it's a 25-man roster at the MLB level, um, and that's kind of across the board throughout the minors, um, AAA, AA, single A, high A, low A, rookie ball. Uh, is kind of a 25-man roster. This is proposing that there's a 26th roster spot at the MLB level, at the big league level. Um, Michael Bauman loves it, and I'm with him. I, I, I do like this addition. Um, I feel like there's there's teams out there that maybe are short in one, one way or another um, because it's hard to hold. I feel like when you hold 13 pitchers and 12 position players, you're short on the bench. But when you hold... 12 or 14 position players and or 13 or 14 position players and then 12 or 11 pitching spots that puts you in a short spot too because five of those are five of those are starters to begin with traditionally speaking some guys run four man rotations and every other rotation they start the fifth guy some guys run six man rotations and i love it i mean i think this is going to be do a great thing for pitching um i'm a big pitching fan and so i I love it when when uh, good smart pitching is involved in the game, and I feel like that this this will just add another 
in a very small way, another dimension to the game when you have another option in the bullpen or maybe another option on the bench um, that you can, that you, that you have at your disposal. So I love it. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at with that. Yep. I, I feel you. I mean, he, he basically says it's a win for everyone. I mean, it means 30 new full-time jobs for players. So that's great. We have 30 more MLB players, uh, guys that get that job. Uh, it adds flexibility especially on the bench, because we've seen expanding pitching staffs. I feel like more and more pitchers being added into a, a pitch into the roster. So it allows for an extra bat where there probably isn't on a lot of rosters. Uh, under this as well, the roster expansion is going to come with a 12-pitcher limit for non-September games. So throughout the season until September, uh, you're going to be stuck with 12 pitchers. After that, you would be able to expand it, which I also pre- I also like that as well. I, I think this is just a win-win for everybody. It makes it makes too much sense not to happen, and this is one of those on the list that we could legitimately see happen here uh, next year, even. Yeah, and uh, and coming along with that 12 pitcher limit is also the reduction of September rosters from 40 to 28. Um, which I think is also another good move because let's be honest, when you pull that extra 15 guys up right now, maybe all but two or three of them or two or three of them of those 15 are probably big league ready. Right. Um, and so, I mean, you want to, you want to get those guys to see pitches, but some of them are maybe getting pinch running opportunities. Some of them are getting defensive opportunities. Not all of them if, are seeing if, plate appearances. If any opportunity. If any. Really. I mean, some of them, I mean that probably that 40th guy on the roster is probably not seeing anything. Right. So, I mean, it makes a whole lot of sense. I'm on board with this. I don't. I think 28 is a little bit slim. I'd like to see maybe 32. Okay. But um, because I feel like there's some maybe young guys that maybe aren't big league ready that you want them to see those pitches. You want them to see that time up in the bigs. Um, but 40 is too much. 40 is too much. And um, I I I actually like this rule. I, the only thing I would change about it is going instead of doing twenty eight man roster for September, I would do probably around thirty or thirty two. Got it. so reduce it, but not quite as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're almost there. They're almost there with yeah, that for for sure. I feel you. All right, the next one was uh, to, a rule to further reduce the number of mound visits. So last year was the first year that they had a limit on a mound visit, which was six per game. And the idea of this is just to speed the game up, which the MLB has been trying to do over the last few years. And it is a focus of theirs to try to speed up the game. So MLB commissioner Manfred and the league has, has, has tried, has, have tried to reach a a scenario where they can limit this. So right now the commissioner can limit it to five without the players association union's approval. He could just do that on his own. But the league has basically said, listen, we want to limit it to four. And then in 2020, we want to limit it to three. And that's the ultimate goal, I guess, is to three mound visits a game. Which, I, you know, to be honest, I don't really know how I feel about this. It's not that consequential to me. I think the MLB needs to, to shorten these games and have a quicker game. And if reducing the mound visits from six to three in, in, by, by 2020 is, is the way that we do that, then cool. I, I, I don't really care. I mean, let's well, and I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Um, it's part. It's part of the game, right? Mound visits are part of the game to slow to slow the game down. Part of and this is like, I understand you want to speed up the game. Like that's the ultimate goal with these type of things. 
But if we looked at when they reduced it to six, the average time per nine inning game was only decreased by five minutes. Yeah. In the grand scheme of things, when you're playing a three-hour game, that doesn't mean a whole lot, right? What's the difference between two hours, 55, and three minutes and three hours? There's not a whole lot of difference there. Um, yeah, I, it's I a just, combination I, of things, though. I mean, it's, it's this and something that's further along, which I guess we can add to this conversation now, which is the pitch clock. And it, the combination of reducing mound visits, pitch clock, you know, a, a few of the other things that they're trying to do is what's going to shorten the game. You know, they're not trying to get it from three hours to two hours, but I, I mean, the, the, you, you got to speed these up a little bit. See, but the pitch clock thing is, is almost at a mute, though, because guys could step off with one second left and that pitch clock resets. I mean, so if they're stepping off and that pitch clock goes away, you, you, could, you could still use up 40 seconds in between pitches easily. And so I don't think – I mean, this is – I mean, there's a way around that, though. I mean, to be, if that really becomes an issue, which I highly doubt that's going to be that big. They do it all the time, though, already. But if, if it is, then the MLB can make a rule limiting that or fining players if they do it too much. I mean, there's a way around that. But a pitch clock is going to speed up the game and it's been successful in the minors and it's been successful in other venues and within baseball. And so I think that's an inevitability and part of, like I said, this speeding the game up uh, another rule associated with the speeding the game up was the, which one it's the, Oh, the three batter minimum for pitchers, which means that you can't bring a guy in to face one guy and then sub him out because that substitution takes up time. So I like that measure of well, of you know, making sure you can't bring in a pitcher for just one pitch from a time management perspective as well as a player's perspective. Because you warm up this whole game, you throw four pitches to one guy and you're out. And I don't think that's fair to the pitchers. They should be able to get a decent amount of work in that, in that appearance that they have. So you know, having a minimum of three makes sense on both of those sides to me. Well, I mean, let's not... I mean, that's, I think that's a little bit of oversimplification here because they bring in left-handed specialists all the time to face left-handed guys. So if he throws four pitches to a lefty and he's a left-handed specialist, right, that's, that's, that's part of the game here. You're, you're eliminating an entire part of the strategy here to where the like, guys that, no, carry about right, that care about righty-lefty matchups, you're taking that away from them. You're, you're not limiting it, but it comes with – it just if you're going to bring a lefty and to bring a lefty, who's batting behind like you have them? To make your and, pitching changes going into the next inning. Well, no, no, no. But I mean, we're talking. You can because a mound visit, like a, a pitching you, change, constitutes as a mound visit. No, but you could still change a guy in the middle of the inning. But you got to keep him in for three batters. So that's part of it. You want that lefty on lefty matchup? Great. Well, it's going to come with maybe he has to face two righties afterwards. And is that? advantageous for you to still bring him in or do you wait do you bring him at a different time like it just it changes it but i don't think it takes away anything per se i think it it, it benefits more than it takes away i i disagree i i, I think it you, takes you seem away like you seem like you are against the short the, the measures the mlb is doing to shorten the game i think they're doing too much i think they're trying to do too much um Look, I'm a traditionalist, okay? I was literally about to say, Mitch, you're a traditionalist. So. I am. Like, <laughs> this, is, this is one of those games that has remained rev, like, relatively unchanged throughout its entire history, with the exception of the DH rule, and was that 1970? No, it was, it was in the 70s. It was 
around then that they added the DH. Other than that, it's remained relatively unchanged. And it has been fine. It's been fine. When we've seen the down periods, it's been kind of a dead, a mini dead ball era. When, when offense goes up, people seem to tune in. Um, not saying that I think we should bring steroids back at any, you know, in any way, shape, or form to increase offense because that obviously isn't the key here. I'm just, I just think that if you try to change the game too much, it strays away from what the game really was meant to be. And it, it's meant to be a slow-paced thinking game. It's meant to be a thinking game. And if you take away things like this, it's no longer a thinking game. It's a brawn against brawn type game. And that's not what baseball is all about. And so I so just, I don't like it. I, I, you think these minor changes would drastically change the game that much? I think over, there over, over really minor things that we're talking about here, like a pitch clock. Come on. I mean, no, that's, that's a pretty major thing when you think it, about it's it. It's really not though, because like what they have seen from implementing it in, in the minor leagues and in college baseball is it doesn't really change the game that much. The pace, the pace pretty much stays about the same. Obviously, you're just limited to how long you could take, but it really doesn't affect how the game feels or how it plays out. It, it has a very minor effect. It just limits how long a game can be. You know, the mound visit thing, that maybe is a little more extreme. The, the three batter minimum, that is a little more extreme, and I get that, but I feel like these are minor changes. It's not going to change the integrity of Major League Baseball and how the game is played. Look, I'm... I'm one of those guys that I still think managers should be able to go out and argue balls and strikes. I, I love that type of stuff. I still think that sh- I think that should be a big part of the game still. And it's just because that traditionally that's where we've seen a lot of, a lot of the most exciting baseball we've ever seen is over these controversial calls. And I hate it when they bring it up about the electronic strike zone. That's what really gets me. And I know that's still something that's probably still on the table with the MLB right now. And that would really just kill the game for me because baseball is a baseball is a game of error. Guys that are the considered the greatest of all time only get on base via the hit three out of 10 times. Yeah. It's a game of error. And when you take the error out of it, it takes away the, the, the purity and the innocence of the game. And I feel like I, and I, I just feel like that they're trying to intrude on that. And it really takes away from oh, oh, this lore that we have about baseball, this love that we have for baseball still. And they're, they're trying to change too much at one time. And I just, I don't, I'm not on board with it. Yeah. You know, I, I don't see these issues and these changes as anything too major that I'm, like I said, I'm on board with all of these, to be honest. I think, I think they're smart moves. I think baseball is at a point right now where it is a clear third place in this country. It is behind the NFL, and it is now behind the NBA. And unless it wants to fall behind hockey, which has continued to grow over the last 20 years and has become more and more popular and is an expanding league in America, unless they want to fall behind and become fourth place or even drop, just even if they stay as that third most popular, but drop further behind the NBA and the NFL, which are growing exceedingly, they need to do something. And the one thing, one of the things that they have identified is the, the length of a game. To get people to sit there and watch a game, you could get people to the park. That's about the experience. But to watch it on TV, it's not that fun. I don't watch baseball on TV during the regular season, like hardly. Very I do, rarely I do, do I. I. Do a lot. Very I mean, rarely do I. And I'm a baseball fan. It is just, sometimes it's just a little long. It's just, it just is. And 
Sure. The, the MLB needs to do something to not fall behind the NFL and the NBA. And if this is one of the, the areas that they have identified and they feel like doing this will benefit them, then I am okay with that. I think they need to do more in other departments like marketing their superstars and bringing in younger audiences. They need to do that as well. But if this is part of that initiative to, to keep the popularity they have – and not fall too far behind the M- NBA in the NFL, I am for it. And they need to do something because we are looking at a realistic possibility that if nothing changes over the next 50 years, is baseball still going to be that relevant in America? It's not going that way right now. It really isn't. Okay. Look, uh, you, you can ride on that train all you want. It, it's, not, it's not swaying me. It's not swaying me. I, I, and I'm not trying to sway you per se. I, I get that you're I think there's a lot of things I, that they, I think there's a lot of things that they could change to make the game a little bit more fun. I, I actually like putting a base runner on in extra innings. I think that's a great idea, too. I don't think put him on second, though. Put him on first. Yeah. Put him on first. Start getting off with a base runner. Yeah. And if you, if you ground into a double play, then you ground into a double play. Right? I, I don't mind that. I actually... And this goes against my traditionalist thinking of this, but I don't mind adding the DH to the NL. No, I think that's something they should have done a long time ago, to be honest. It makes I mean, it's sense. a lot of fun For to see. Sake, but I mean, that's it. Like, that's I why mean, it's, it's not a, a thing. It's a lot of fun to see pitchers succeed at the plate. Like, it's, yeah. it's a lot of fun to see, like, Bartolo Colon hit that home run in San Diego a few years ago. That's a lot of fun to watch because everyone wanted to see old big sexy Bartolo Colon hit a home run after how silly he's looked at the plate and you know, he knocks, he knocks one out to left. It that's fun. But I think that adding to DH, if everyone's so interested in offense and really it's an offensive driven uh, ideology right now in sports, everyone loves when the NBA scores 120 plus points a game. I don't like that because I'm a crotchety old man on the inside. (laughs) Everyone loves it when the, when the NFL games end up 38-31. And I'll, I'll admit, that's fun to watch when there's good offense, right? But I, I appreciate good defense, right. right? Maybe you need to have guys – maybe you need to have, you know, seven, eight ball games, nine, ten ball games. Maybe you need to have that type of scoring. But it, there's other ways to do it other than, than taking some strategy away from it. There's other ways to do it than taking strategy away from it. And people just need, it's baseball's always been a long game. It's always been a long game. This is nothing new. And I feel like the people are just kind of getting, I don't know, soft about it. Well, it's not about, like I said, it's not trying to change the game from three hours to two hours, but it needs to, we need to just. What five minutes doesn't make that much of a difference anyway. But that's, that's just what we've seen from limiting mound visits. What is a 20, second pitch clock and you know limiting the amount of substitutions you could do like what is all that going to do for the game that's going to have an effect and it's also the idea that the mlb is trying to shorten the game that is appealing to fans who have an issue with how long it is and don't want to watch three and a half hour games just knowing that the mlb is trying to shorten it helps them even if it doesn't have that big of effect overall in the game just the fact that they are trying is going to be beneficial for them I mean, I just want to point out that some of the longest games we've seen in baseball have been some of the classics. I look back to the World Series, what was that, in 2003? Maybe? 
might have been before that, when Derek Jeter became Mr. November, hitting that home run in the ALCS right after it turned November 1st. It was midnight, past midnight over in New York. He becomes Mr. November. I mean, these long games, the 18-inning the game we had in Oakland a few years ago, a great game. I mean... Listen, I mean, I we know. had an 18-inning game in the World Series this year, and as a Dodgers fan, I love that we won that, but, like, we could have done that in the 11th inning. Listen, it was but a we... a fun game to watch. It kind of was, but it kind of wasn't. Like... Had that been wasn't. Listen, listen. That's had that been game had in the World Series, how do you yeah. not like that? I, I, listen, had it been over in the 11th inning, would we have lost anything? No. We would have got the exact same result, and we would have been happy with it, and we didn't need the extra but seven innings. It's the drama innings. that comes really along didn't. with it, It's the drama listen, that comes extra along with innings, it. You've seen six overtime extra, games in, the, in college extra basketball. Extra innings, and that's way too much. And that's no. way too much. No, oh, wait, listen. What do you think? They're, they're, it's going to end in a tie? What do you want to go to hockey? No, you want to go to soccer? No, but I, I'm not obviously not suggesting a tie, but like we don't need 18 innings for it to be dramatic. We could get that in 11. It's extra innings already. Extra innings over time is dramatic enough. We don't need like, I, I, it's not that like a one overtime game in the NFL is not cool, but a three overtime game in the NFL would just be mind blowing. Like no. in the end, it's still extra time. It's the same principle. That 18-inning game in the World Series could have ended the 11th. It could have, but I, they didn't get and, it done. And that would have been they fine. Didn't get it and done, that would have been it, fine. No, and they, and they didn't get it done, so it took 18 to do it. You're right, but all I'm saying is we don't need then that. Then what are we talking like, about here? You're, you're acting like we have to have these crazy long games for it to be cool. Like no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Isn't no, cool. I'm, not. I'm just, no, I'm not. Yeah, all you're pointing them out as some of the greatest the moments in MLB history, and it's like, 11, like, that's fine. Like, I, we don't need 18 I, innings. I wasn't advocating that the longer the game, the better, or, or that we need to have these long games to have a great moment. I wasn't doing that. Don't you put that on you me. You said some of the longest games have been some of the best in MLB history, some of the greatest moments in MLB some history. Have. Some of them and have. And some nine-inning games and have some, been, too. So that exactly, doesn't mean that that's, it, that's kind of implied when I say only some of them, Dallin. Right. That's but, kind but of you're, implied. But you're implying yeah, that we need to have 18-inning games. I never said there's a need for 18 inning games. Then what do we need? But sometimes it happens. Sometimes sure. it happens. So why, why screw with it? Why are you screwing with it? If it's sometimes you need 18 innings to figure out who's a winner and who's a loser. Because we don't. Because we don't. If we implemented a rule right. where you if put a runner on first. Job done. If you get the job done, then you don't need 18 innings. I don't know. I just feel like I, I am okay with the MLB trying to shorten the game and – increase their popularity and not fall behind like they are right now. And they, they need to, they need, if we want baseball to be relevant when we're 90 years old, Mitch, they need to change things. They need to do something because they're trending in the wrong direction right now. And if this is part of it, then I'm okay with that. If I agree, I don't want to see, I don't want to see drastic changes in the MLB. And I don't think any of the changes that are even proposed in this year's, uh, you know, rule changes I don't think any of them are that drastic. The DH and the NL is probably the most drastic, but that one makes the most sense to me, honestly. So, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a proponent of drastic changes, but I think something needs to happen, and I, the ones that have been suggested for the most part, I'm, I'm pretty cool with. I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm a traditionalist. I just want – I don't I, – I hate seeing the game – that I grew up with be changed. I, I, I hate seeing it. And I know that change is good. 
but you know, some change is good. Not all change, right. but right. some changes. I think there's, there's just a better way to do it. And maybe we haven't thought of it yet. I think the DH is great. I would love to have the DH added to the NL. I yeah. mean, it makes I mean, too much sense. It makes, Come on. Yeah, pitchers don't need to hit the ball. Sense. They're pitchers. Come on. I understand that the NL is kind of the, the original league, kind of like the NFL is right, with, right. The, with the AFL, the whole merge. The NL is the original league. Um, but I, I can't get on board with most of these proposals. I just can't. The three batter minimum, the, the minimizing mound visits even more. I was fine with six mound visits. But don't try and cut it back more just for the sake of trying to trying to speed the game up another two minutes. Don't do it. Because they, they cut it down to six and it only changed it by five minutes. If you cut it back, and if you, even if you cut it in half, it's not going to make that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. It's just not. Over the span yeah. of three hours, it's just it's not going to make that big a difference. It's a combination of things. Like I said, it, that's not the only rule to shorten the time of the game. And that's not what they're, they're not no, banking I, I, on cutting I, I, 20 I, minutes off. You're right, and I get know. that. I get that. And maybe adding the DH might shorten the game. I don't know. If you add a little bit more offense, maybe one team's just out hitting the other team, it might be shorting the game. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Oh. I, I, I am not as on board with the three batter minimum. Like, that's the one I feel, like, the least okay with. I like the idea of it. I, I, I'd be okay if they passed it, but I'm not, like, gung-ho for it. I'm gung-ho for the pitch clock, pitch count, the, 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 20, the 22nd pitch clock that that should happen that should be a thing and i think it's gonna affect the game very minimally i i don't know i like i said i am okay with the mlb making changes because they need to make changes and as long as they're not too drastic and these things are working and they're testing them in the minor leagues and if they're successful there and it's successful in other places then the mlb should uh should incorporate them and the nfl is doing a similar thing right now the aaf is trying out a bunch of different measures to shorten the game as well because that's an issue that the ML, the NFL has had and well and it's a more physical are, game there and it, it's, well, but it's we are more, we are more entertaining we are a people who cannot focus for that long people complain when an hours a movie is over two and a half hours we 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 are so we are an ADD generation now and a three hour baseball game doesn't fit in today's world it just doesn't people cannot focus that long unfortunately so the mlb is trying to fit into the world that exists right now and they need to and that's why i'm okay with it well okay so i'm looking at this list on the ringer as well and the he put the worst rule change at the bottom and it deserves to be at the bottom and so I thought we could talk about this for a second. The low, moving and lowering the mound, correct? Yeah, moving or lowering. So yes. th- go ahead. What's your thoughts on this? Again, this goes back to changing the game. If you look at the game, it is so proportional. It's so – what's the word I'm looking for? Um, everything's 90 feet apart. The pitcher's mound has not moved since, what was it, 1893? when the National League established that the distance between the plate and the rubber is going to be 60 feet and 6 inches. It hasn't moved, right? Not one bit. They, the, they did lower the mound in 1968, after 1968, which was called Year of the Pitcher, right? Mm-hmm. They lowered the mound from 15 inches to 10 inches. And in 1969, the first year of the 10-inch mound, the offense went up by almost two-thirds of a run per team per game. Okay, cool. You added more offense. I'm not opposed to that. 
pitchers now have to adjust, right? Pitchers have to adjust and, and figure out a new way to pitch to hitters if you're going to lower the mound. And yeah, it, when you think about the angle that the ball comes out of a pitcher's hand, that, that changes a whole lot of things, right? That whole five inches game, you know, the game is so is such a game of small changes that five inches makes a drastic change. Moving this, moving the mound to compensate for guys that throw one Oh five, like a world is Chapman mm-hmm. or like he, I don't think he's even in the league anymore, but Joel Zumaya, those guys that threw 103, 104, 105. Why are we going to penalize them for having this ability to throw the ball so hard? And by saying, oh, we're going to move the ball, we're going to move the plate or, or the mound back five feet. So they're going to throw from 65 feet now. And now that 105 mile an hour fastball is 101. Plenty of guys hit 101 mile an hour fastballs. The good hitters do. Right. Not every hitter, but the good hitters hit 101 mile an hour fastballs. Why should we penalize those guys? Why, what, what are we gaining here? By moving the mound or lowering the mound again. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, I completely agree with you. I think it's one of those moves that is a little too much. And the cost-benefit analysis for me, in my head, it doesn't really make sense. And maybe there's some science behind it. If there's research behind it that says it's going to benefit in this way, and, and I could read that, and maybe that would convince me otherwise. I, I, I don't know. And, and I don't know how many of these proposals are super serious or are just ideas that, you know, the Players Association and the league want to be able to simmer on, to do research on, to, you know, contemplate for the future. Maybe, obviously not this year. So some of these changes aren't even possible this year. But I, I don't know if these are just, you know, how serious some of these ideas are. And I think this is one of them that's like, this is an idea. I, it's not it's something that's going to happen necessarily right now. But it could. Maybe let's think about this. Let's weigh the options. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not really on board with this either. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I, I am with you on I don't want the MLB to make drastic changes. I, I really don't. I, the game is really good how it is. I feel like it's a fairly balanced game. We have very good pitchers and very good hitters, and those guys are going to be successful regardless of what we do. The, the, the talent is going to win in that regard. And I think there are some changes that can be done, but I think the changes need to be done less on the game itself and more on how the MLB handles marketing, how they handle audience, gaining fans with younger kids, with a younger audience. Because listen, old people like baseball. They have, because guess what? Back in the day, baseball was it. Baseball was the number one sport. It is America's pastime for a reason, but it is not anymore. And so they have to figure out how to get back to that level. Baseball will never be America's number one sport ever again. I, I a hundred percent believe that, but they need to do something to compete with the MLB, NBA and the NFL. And that is what I hope to see from them. That's why I like some of these changes proposed changes. I think baseball could get there again. I think if there's, and by that, I mean being, America's pastime again. I think they're going to really have to compete with football more so than the NBA um, because I can see the NBA growing tiresome. Um, I, I think the NBA is the biggest competition, to be honest. They're I, the fastest I growing. I, 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 and- I understand they're fast growing, but I mean, 
if you want to run it, if you, I mean, eventually it's going to get to the point where you're going to watch a guy run down the ball, run down the court, try to put the ball in the hoop, and teams are going to be scoring 150 points a game. We've seen a drastic increase in scoring in that league over the last yeah. 20 years. I mean, drastic. I mean, when we saw playoff games ending in the 70s and the 80s, as far as scoring goes, now right. it's not uncommon for both teams to score 110 plus mm-hmm. or more playoff yeah. game in a playoff game. Yeah, and it's just I don't see that as a negative. How does that How does that mean they're gonna decrease in popularity? I mean, I I think that everything, all things are good in in moderation. Yeah, and I feel like scoring's that way. Like people are gonna get tired of someone seeing so seeing someone just score every time they possess the ball. I mean, there it's not gonna. There is something about defense. Of course, that, of course. And eventually, I, I feel like with the NBA, eventually it's going to get to the point where that's not going to matter. It's who can put the ball in the hoop more than the other team. I don't think so. And, and in sports, there's balance in everything. Listen, I mean, 20 years ago in the MLB, we had guys hitting 70 home runs a year. And that was a that steroid was, era, though. That was because of steroids, but obviously that is cut back. Right now, we're going through a little offensive surgence in the NFL with high-scoring games and offensive records being broken. But because that's innovation of the game. And but everything NBA, has a balance. And, but in the NBA, it's lack of defense. They're it's just not, not lack of defense. defense. It's not just, lack of defense. It's not playing it is, defense it is anymore. absolutely not lack oh, of defense. It is Watch innovation. a game. Are it you kidding not, me? It is offensive innovation. It is the ability for guys to shoot threes farther back than they ever could. It's the, it's the importance of the three-pointer that has increased the game. Now, eventually... Then why aren't you playing entire defense? Why aren't, why aren't you doing that? What do you mean? Why aren't teams playing defense? There are teams that play defense. Just why the majority aren't you playing of them don't. Defense? If you know that there are guys that can shoot three spots, yeah, you can look, why aren't look, you at, up look, that look at the teams that do. Yes, there are. There are teams out there that play very good defense. I just watched the Jazz play the Warriors last night, and the Jazz had a very good formula to limit three pointers. The, the Warriors started off one for 10 from three pointers because of what the Jazz were doing. Cool. There is a balance in everything, and eventually, teams are going to have to scheme to stop that kind of offense and it'll drop back down and then something else will come up and become the new offensive wave. And then teams will start doing that and the offense will increase and then the defense will come and balance it out. It's the same thing in the NFL. The NFL right now is going through a passing revolution and everybody can throw for over 4,000 yards and eventually defenses are going to adjust and limit that. And it's going to be balanced again. That's just how sports work. So I don't, I don't see the, NF, the NBA exponentially growing to the point where we're getting ridiculous scoring and nobody plays defense. It's just not how sports work. There's a balance in everything, and it'll always balance itself back out. Maybe I'm just a crotchety old man and a pessimist. I think you're, I think you're a crotchety old man. Oh, man. I love it, Mitch, though. And, and, and I think that's why I thought this conversation about the MLB rule changes was fascinating, just because there are some things that are minor. There are some things that are major. And everything has implications. And they're all proposed rule changes. None of them are official or even going to happen. But it brings up interesting thoughts and questions and conversation. And that's why we want to talk about it today. And I I enjoyed this. (laughs) No, this was a great conversation. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what becomes a thing, what doesn't, what changes uh, occur and how they affect the game. So if you had to pick two right now before before we wrap this up, two rule changes you'd like to see next season. What do you want to see? Okay, I'll give you three. The three okay, I really me. want to see. Roster changes, the increase to 26. Okay. DH in the NL and 20 22nd pitch clock. Those are the three that I I I would absolutely want to see next year. Okay. You know, 
just because you did three, I'll do three. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I'm on board with you on all of those. My third will be the 20, the 20 second pitch clock. Um, just because I think that'll have the less, the lesser of the effect. Yeah, exactly. Um, I really don't think it's going to affect much at all. No. And that's my point. Like, why are why not going to feel it? So like, well, that, that's my point is like, why even propose it if it's not going to have that much of a change? Yeah. I get, I, I mean, I get it, but right. Right. I got you. But like, I'm on with you with that. You got to add the 26th guy. I think. Yeah. You know what? No DH first, get the DH and the NL first, then add the 26th. Then if you, if you want to add a third one, go to the 22nd pitch clock. Yeah. Listen, if you add a DH in the NL, then the Dodgers can sign Bryce Harper and it doesn't overcrowd their offense, their outfield, yeah. and they can just have a DH. And that would be, that would be wonderful. Yeah, they're still not getting Harper, bud. <laughs> Sorry. They're still not getting... Just saying. <laughs> oh man. Anywho guys, that is, I think that's about it. Right, Mitch? Yeah, I, I think so. We'll, we'll save, uh, We'll save Machado and Harper for next week because I think hopefully we'll have some more news by then. That is true. I mean, we're, we're just still kind of waiting. There's things coming out here and there, but in the end, it's all just waiting. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, yeah. So, you know, well, let's save that for next week. And um, guys, cool. thank you for listening. Yeah. You actually, before we do, you did have a correction, something we were wrong about oh, yeah. last episode. So we had so. talked about Scott Boris representing both Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. Um, it's a, uh, it's not, Scott Boris doesn't represent uh, Manny Machado. I wrote his name down. I can't even remember his name because I've never heard of the guy. Uh, Scott <laughs> Boris, obviously, I mean, he's probably the most well-known agent in professional baseball. Um, it's uh, Dan Lozano from MVP, uh, MVP Sports Representation. Um, or I think that's the company name. I don't know. But um, it's, it's Dan Lozano, um, not Scott Boris. So our whole theory about Scott Boris being a genius, yeah, you can throw that one out. It's wrong. Way. It was wrong. It was wrong. It's such but a good conversation. I find out Dan Lozano and Scott Boris do have beef with each other because Ooh. Scott Boris did originally represent Manny Machado when he right. was a rookie. Um, and then obviously he strayed away from that and got on with Dan Lozano. So – um, there is beef there between the two, and they've ha- they have publicly said they don't like each other. So um, that might be that might be another whole dimension of the whole chess match we, match we talked about with Scott Boris kind of having with himself. He's just having with another guy now. So right, huh. we could still be right in a way, in a way, <laughs> in a way. But we were... <laughs> we'll talk about that more next week. We'll get for sure, week. for sure, guys. Thank uh... you so much for listening to this episode of the sports hour we want to thank one more time because he was an absolutely fantastic guest bobby skinner of simple man radio thank you so much for coming on the show we look forward to having you back on again brother um guys go get on the socials go follow us at the sports hour guys on instagram at sports hour guys on twitter you can go like our facebook page guys go follow simple man radio on instagram um go follow him on twitter i think it's at simple man radio yep Yep. Uh, on and Twitter, give the pod a listen. Give the pod a listen. Go, go subscribe to him. He's a great guy. Him and Zach, they, get, they put out great content. Um, they're obviously they're they're just like us, right? Two two guys that love sports, that that love to talk sports, and uh, they put out great content. Go give those guys a listen. Um, get on the socials. Get on the Apple Podcast reviews. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Tell us we suck. That's the only way we can get better. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) We love you guys. We appreciate you guys. Thanks for being a part of this. 
It's a blast. It's an honor. It's a privilege. And we will catch you next week. See ya! See ya!